Welcome to Kingdom Builders, where you can learn to live on mission for God. If you want to see more people saved and increase your impact on the kingdom of God, this is the place for you. Every week, we will have guests who are actively living on mission for God, and you will hear practical advice on how you can become better at sharing Jesus with your world. to uh, Kingdom Builders, How to Live on Mission for God. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us, uh, Nathan Thompson, who is the small groups pastor at Christ Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Nathan, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what your job is? And, and basically, if, for me knowing you, you went from you know growing up working at Chick-fil-A, everybody's favorite restaurant, to becoming a small groups pastor. And, you know, last time I checked, that's really not a normal career path, you know. Uh, so uh, kind of give us a little bit of background of what occurred. Well, that's awesome. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Matthew, for having me on the podcast. And, and thanks to everyone listening, just to give me the opportunity to come and share my heart and share kind of what that journey was about. Yeah, it is kind of very unique when you put it like that. Uh, it's, it's fun to think about it like that. Uh, to give a little context, though, interestingly enough, uh, I grew up pastor's kid. Uh, I've, I've been singing on television and uh, doing ministry through family ministry like my entire life. And <laughs> so uh, about seven years in my early 20s, um, my sister and I had a group called Not By Sight. And we toured around the country, uh, got nominated for a Dove Award. So ministry has always been like a huge part of what I do. And then Chick-fil-A at first was <clears throat> just kind of, uh, it was something else I did, right? It paid the bills. It was on the side. Right. And then somewhere around 2004, when I was 24, I'm 41 now. Yes, I'm <laughs> about the age, uh, was when I, I uh, fully committed. I went back to school to become a Chick-fil-A operator. And so for the next 12, 12 to 15 years, I just poured into becoming an operator because I, I fell in love with Chick-fil-A. I've always loved Chick-fil-A and the culture that they stand for. And so uh, while I didn't ever plan to go back into ministry, business was like my top priority for a number of years. Uh, it, it, as it turned out, God directed me back into ministry. And two years ago, I uh, did what I thought I would never do, which is leave Chick-fil-A and, uh, and and God called me to be a small groups pastor. So I am that here at Christ Church in West Monroe. We have three campuses actually: um, one in Ruston, one in Sterlington, and one in West Monroe. And uh, I get to serve as the uh, the small groups pastor. Which what I do uh, to answer that question too on a, a daily basis and weekly, monthly, and year round is I uh, coach, train, encourage, identify uh, leaders to step up. Uh, inside of our small groups ministry and lead and call people to community and, and create community here at Christ Church. And so uh, we have an amazing uh, team. I don't do it alone either. Uh, right, our, our whole right. staff is passionate about it. Our, all of our pastors, we have nine staff pastors and they're all involved in small groups or leading small groups. We have a number of core leaders and <clears throat> coaches that at each campus that are passionate about community and, and love it. And so thankfully, uh, what I get to do, I'm a very team focused guy. I got a lot of that uh, imprinted on me from Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> so it's all very much people and team driven. And so I love it. Um, I don't know if I answered the question that well. well no, you, yeah, you so did. You did. Uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about, though, is you mentioned that you were a pastor's kid. 
you know. And I know we're supposed to be Jesus people up here at the churches, but, uh, you know, you probably uh, experienced some some churches that are not so great, you know, every pastor and pastor's kid does. And and so I guess one of my questions would be, you know, how did you uh, go through some of these experiences that were not so great with the church and still not abandon the church and say, well, then people are crazy. I ain't going to be a pastor. I ain't going to do none of this, you know. How, how do you still have that mindset of, of hope, you know, after some of those difficult experiences? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I want to first be very honoring to both of my parents. I, I'm so thankful for both my mom and dad, who for years after year after year, they sacrificed in personal ministry and at church ministry uh, as pastors, as music directors. Uh, uh, mom actually is still helping lead music with that's you right. at church, which is amazing. Uh, she loves it. And, uh, and so, uh, so thankful for that heritage that both of my parents instilled in me to serve the Lord. And, but yeah, there were along the way, man, we, uh, you know, we, we started off in Florida. So I was born in Tampa, raised in Orlando, and we moved everywhere. Uh, right. and it was all ministry. I told people there's two professions in which you move around a lot and that's either the military or the ministry. And I had the ministry side of things. And so, you know, a lot of these little Baptist churches we'd hop around to and different things. And I'm very, again, I'm very thankful for the way I was raised, but we did, we moved around a lot and we'd be three years here or two years here, or three or four years there. And we, but we'd always, uh, you know, dad would have a new call or mom and dad both would have a new call and we'd go. And, and so it led us a lot of different places, which was cool because it kind of forged in me, uh, this generosity of spirit, which is like, uh, I'm really accepting of people and, groups and ways of life and, and people because we're all different you know across right. the world and around the country we got one time during my childhood we were called to ministry and uh, there was a potential call to serve in alaska and i'm so <laughs> glad that dad and mom didn't decide to uh to accept that church because my life would be totally different i don't know if i'd have the wife i don't know what would have happened if i moved to alaska alaska is great and our church does missions there. And so it's a beautiful place, but can't imagine having gone there. But yeah, throughout the years, Brother Matthew, it, you do see all kinds of things in church. And what you what you really got to, you know, a lot of people get mad at hypocrites in church. And there are hypocrites in church. And guess what? There are hypocrites in all of life, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You know, because uh, even when someone has the best intentions and they say, well, I'm going to do this. It's like kind of Paul talks about, I find myself doing this because we're at war Right. Our spirit and our flesh all the time. And Paul talks about that. But uh, so I've seen, yeah, man, I've seen some really healthy church experiences and I've seen some really unhealthy church experiences and some toxic faith and toxic belief systems and um, people not living it out. But um, thank God there's, there's grace, like there's grace upon grace for all of that. Uh, I think hopefully we learn from a lot of the bad. And so, yeah, there was a risk, a real risk at a certain point in my life to like, I could have probably very easily said, I'm done with this whole church thing. I'm out. But there's some, man, I think it's just the Holy Spirit working in my own heart and life. He just kept drawing me back in and like learning. I read a, a book that I highly recommend when I was 16 years of age. And it said, it's a book called Toxic Faith. And it really helped me see, it helped me really kind of filter through and sort through the toxic stuff I had some of the toxic stuff I'd seen yeah. versus what is the healthy stuff I've seen in terms of faith and walking your faith life out right that's by Stephen Otterburn it actually sits on my shelf today in my office and I recommend it to people 
because it really helped clarify for me, okay, this, this over here that I identified, this is not a healthy way to operate in the life of faith. And this is, and it doesn't mean we have to be perfect and we can't be perfect. Jesus is the only one that was ever perfect, but let's strive towards excellence in everything we do in our Christian faith. So I don't, you know, I thank God. I thank God that he, he kept drawing me and calling me and now he's using me uh, right. in ministry again, which I didn't anticipate, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, that, and that's a good point. And, you know, there, that, that is one of the biggest objections to people coming to church you know, is, is hypocrites. I mean, there was a guy the other day who was putting out church signs and he was like, I asked him where he was going to church. He said, I don't go. There's too many hypocrites. And I, I told him how you go to Walmart. That's right. That's right. You go to Walmart. I said, well, luckily it's 2021. And if you don't want to go sit up in there with all them hypocrites, you can just pull it up online and there can only be one, you know, like just one person in the room. That, that's it. It'd be great. You know? Uh, but what I think people got to realize is, you know, other people and Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, you know, but they're not going to be Jesus, you know? And so when we realize we're not following these other people, we're following Jesus, you know, I yeah. mean, it's almost like if, if you would think about, if we have a little toddler, you know, obviously it's very similar to you because it's your child, but you can't, people can't expect it to do the same things as, as you do. And it's the same way in, in Christianity, I feel like. Um, so, so I guess another question I had was, you know, obviously you're very passionate about Chick-fil-A, you know, um, I big mean, fan. Still, you know, still big, big, big fan, fan. Uh, but just thinking about on, on a daily basis, maybe when you got started, you know, uh, the end result, and, and I'm sure there's more to it in, in Chick-fil-A, but at the end of the day, we're making chicken nuggets, you know, and, and Same. so, and now you're, you know, church and you've got this, this big ministry and such. And, and so how did you stay encouraged and, and stay faithful, you know, day in and, and day out in, in the operations of, of Chick-fil-A? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people in that in these situations, you know, maybe a job in a restaurant or somewhere else, and and they may feel like, well, you know, it, this really doesn't matter that much. Like, and I'm not I'm not really going anywhere career wise. So, so what kind of would be your advice on on how you handled that? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a very good question. Um, a lot of how uh, for me for Chick Fil A it was culture, and yeah. for those that own businesses that are running businesses culture is everything um and really what does culture do it teaches you number one uh, obviously how the company is going to not only run but the spirit of it the heart of it thankfully chick-fil-a man uh, founded on biblical principles right. run by a family that's deeply passionate about how even the smallest things matter the small details because the customer experience for example is made up of a thousand different details that culminate into one experience for a guest and so every little piece of that matters. And then helping the team understand how that seemingly in, seemingly insignificant things that they do, how it contributes to the whole. And so uh, while it doesn't, I was talking about this with someone just the other day, while it doesn't seem like a big deal to put the appropriate amount of salt on the fries, it, 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 the end result of that can be a great experience for the guest or not great experience for the That's guest. That's right. right? Uh, oversalted or undersalted. I know it's such a simple thing, but uh, I always, we all, we always taught our people, and I used to love this. 
Chick-fil-A would train them that when you're making a chicken sandwich, what is a chicken sandwich? It's a buttered bun toasted with two pickles, a filet and a top bun. If you just get a basic chicken sandwich, super easy to put together. But even in that uh, thing, you don't just throw it together. You lay the pickles on just so, and they're not to be touching. We used to say dating, not mating. <laughs> so like, <laughs> not, they're supposed to be, and you don't put a holy pickle on there, even though hey, this is a kingdom. Right, pepper, right, right, yeah. You put you put a, a whole pickle, uh, and then you lay the the uh, the fillet on just right, and then the top bun. And if anything looks deformed or out of place, well, then you put that to the side. Let's get one that looks great. When you put the sandwich in the bag, you make sure the bag fully opens. You slide it in. You double crease the fold and make it look really nice. No grease stains. No, I mean it's such intricate little details. But all of that matters for the overall experience. And so really, it was a culture of excellence. That's just one tiny example. Uh, in our Chick-fil-A here in West Monroe, who the operator, I can give a shout out to David Benson, is uh, he was my lifelong mentor, uh, still someone that I highly regard and we keep in contact. And, uh, uh, and man, the, the culture that he instilled, the culture of excellence, uh, we, we and I'll, we can get into some of this if you want to, but uh, some of the focuses year to year, we'd have like a new vision and a new focus and always injecting this culture of excellence into his people. And so we got acclimated through that. And that's the way we led. And not just in the construction of a sandwich, but and how do you lead people? And mm -hmm. how do you uh, instill these values into people and help them understand why this is better for them uh, I always tell people all the time, if you work Chick-fil-A for a few months or uh, a decade, uh, you will come out of that experience different if you let it shape you. And Chick-fil-A right. for me, man, the years I was, I was 20 years with Chick-fil-A and it shaped me in major foundational ways, but it was a, a culture of excellence. And so I think how that translated into to ministry for me is that's here at Christchurch, that's one of our core values is to pursue excellence. Um, and so in everything we, we do, we want to offer God our best. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to insult him with small thinking and a minimal effort. We want to really be like, if you can imagine a sponge, man, every day, everything, every bit of uh, wisdom that he gives us or his spirit or, or study or, uh, programs or anything, we, we want to be wrung out, you know, we want to be completely, but we want to do that with excellence. And, um, and so you have to go through replenishment and then you pour out replenishment and you pour out, you know, that as a pastor. And so, um, but, and I love that about, uh, about Christ church. And I think they, they absolutely matched up with, with Chick-fil-A um, and their values. And I'll add this too, uh, brother Matthew is that uh, people ask me all the time, well, man, if you felt a calling to ministry, the answer is my entire life. Yes. And I, here's what I, I, I put this thought forward. I think that every person, if they're a believer, they have a calling on their life. And that calling may be in the marketplace. That may be in church ministry. That may be in missions. That may be in any number of areas. But uh, your, your calling never changes, but your context might change. I went from Chick-fil-A was a ministry for me, man. It's like I, I, I cared for the team. I was all about connecting what we did with our hands and what we do with our heart. Uh, and investing in people and the way we treat our guests, the way we treat our team, because we're highly passionate. They still are about taking care of their team. And so everything matters. Uh, and that was my ministry. And then God called me to, he just changed my context. He never changed mm. my calling. And so that's the way I like to think about it. 
Well, that you know, that's very good, and I I like how uh, you you talked about you know the the customer's experience, and you know if you if you frame it in a certain way, it creates different attitudes. You know, if it's like, hey, go mop up that spot on the floor. I'm just not going to get excited about that, you know, but if you frame it like your Chick-fil-A frame is like, look, you are vital to making people happy. You know, let's make more people happy. I mean, I can get on board with that. You know, nobody wants to make people sad. So that's, I mean, that's, that's very good. And, and, you know, when you're talking about calling and, and context, I mean, realistically, if, if a person is in the marketplace, they're in contact with infinitely more people that don't know Christ, like way more people, you know, than, than a pastor is like, we, I feel like as a pastor, you've got to work really hard to see lost people. I mean, you really do. Sure. Uh, whereas people like, if you're working at a restaurant, you're working in the business, like every day, they're, they're, every day they're coming to you, they're in your workplace, you know, um, all that, that sort of things. And, and so a lot of times we don't realize, unfortunately, God doesn't give us the big picture, you know? Um, and so how, when you were Chick-fil-A and, and, and going through all that, um, how today can you see that that prepares you for maybe some of the stuff that, that you do as a, as a small groups pastor at Christ church? Yeah, I think, uh, one of the ways that absolutely uh, helped me was just remembering that every day is an opportunity to serve. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, 20 years in this service industry, it's, it's all you do all day long. Like everything you do is to serve the need of the guest. And as a pastor, and you know, this, everything you do ultimately serves the people you're called to lead. And so if right. you're called to lead in a restaurant, or if you're called to lead in your business, you're, you're called the lead period. And, and so I always think of, so it makes me always think and, and readjust what I'm doing and go, how can I serve the people I'm here to serve most effectively? And for me, my first line people are my leaders, small group mm -hmm. leaders. How can I serve them? How can I support them? Because they're the front lines and helping to shepherd the, uh, the community here at Christchurch. They're very integral to that. We have 104 small groups. You think I can lead 104 small groups by myself? No way. <laughs> like, I can. There's one semester I bit off more than I could chew, and I led like nine different small groups. I either led or co-led. Wow. It nearly killed me. Okay. It was like. Yes. Uh, my wife was like, uh, "You need time for your family." Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> I love ministry, but I, my first ministry is my family, and so. Um, but it's it's that. It's like, how can I serve? the people I'm called to serve more effectively and finding new ways to do that and finding new ways to be effective at that. And I think uh, to kind of relate that to the question you asked earlier, which was how did you not, you know, you go from a lifetime in church and all, you see good and see bad and you see all that you've seen. Um, I think what is so refreshing about what we do here at Christ church and what I really challenge every ministry leader, church leader out there to do is uh, to lead with transparency, to live authentically. That's one of our core values here at Christchurch is uh, live authentically because fake is exhausting. And so when people see you honestly engaging with your faith and the war that's going on inside your own heart, uh, and then as you pursue the Father and allowing him to do what he wants to do in you, like they're encouraged to go, you know what, uh, I'm going to lay it on the altar too. And I'm going to really engage in a, in a transparent way. And that's that for church leaders, that's a challenge 
because some one of the bad things I saw, and this is on the toxic faith side of thing, one of the bad things I saw was just church leaders are like, you know, a pastor, uh, I can't really be authentic. It, uh, it's not a safe place to be. I can't right, really deal right. with what's going on in my own heart publicly or privately. Or, you know, that's where accountability comes in. That's where you find trusted people. Sure, you can't get in a pulpit on Sunday morning and just confess your deepest, darkest huh. secrets that that could be bad. And hopefully there's not a lot of bad there, but whatever is going on in your heart, just making sure you're authentically engaging that, engaging accountability. I, I meet with several people that I'm accountable to. And they actually, one guy today, he's like, okay, what's going on with this? And he knows about a couple of things going on in my life. And are you keeping that in balance? Is that consuming too much of your thinking and asking those honest questions? And I think uh, leading from transparency and living authentically is, uh, it's something we must do, especially in a culture that uh, uh, we're struggling with so much and there's so many challenges. And yet there's such cynicism towards the church because they've seen the fake thing right. for too long or people just putting on the airs. But when they really get to, to know you in your heart, you're, you're out there living transparently and living authentically. I think it's powerful. Um, well, and, and I'm not sure why this is, you know. Uh, especially if you look at today's world, you know, feel like somebody does something wrong, they just get rid of you. But um, what I've noticed is that with older generations, if you were to be real and tell them, that, hey, this is my problem, they would fall out and have a heart attack, okay? They'd be like, I can't handle this, you know? But what's weird to me uh, is that a lot of the younger generation, if you're authentic with them like it's almost like you they they trust you you know um they they trust you to talk to you you know and i feel like it's because they feel some empathy you know they're like hey i'm going through this you're going through this you know that that sort of thing and and uh it's amazing um how being authentic can can really change the the dynamic of, of things you know because i think sometimes we think people want us to be perfect you know but uh I th they just want us to be up front you know with with how we are and 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 what we deal with and so that's uh that's very good and so i guess maybe if there was someone out there you know who wanted to do better for themselves you know i mean uh maybe at a just a regular old job you know maybe the lowest lowest person uh what would be some of your advice to them to for some steps that they could take to move themselves forward yeah no that's good uh i think uh having patience now that's a careful you that's a dangerous prayer to pray god give me patience that's right that's right uh, you know it's interesting when you think about there, there's a business context and there's a faith and uh faith perspective here about what does success look like uh, success is consistency over time. You know, okay. it's faithfulness uh, that mixes with opportunity. And so I tell people, if you're, I mean, if, like I tell people all the time, if they're just starting out at Chick-fil-A, this is what I would coach them in. Man, every new thing you have an opportunity to learn. And you do want to learn new things as you go along. But just learn it to its fullest. Know why you're doing it. And then just faithfully execute that role uh, and be a team player and contribute to the whole. And I said, in, in the right kind of culture, that gets rewarded. Uh, because especially this day and age, man, where people are like, uh, they're bailing on their jobs for the slightest difficulty. They're, yeah. uh, they're bouncing at the slightest hint of any kind of extra 
and you know, like they're, they're just gone. And so I think faithfulness and staying the course and staying power is a, is a, is a big deal. And then uh, from a ministry perspective, I love this. Someone said this to me and I don't know if it's an author and they repeated it. I can't remember, but it has affected me deeply. They said, well, how do you measure success in ministry? My first year back in ministry, I was trying to measure it in the number of groups. I was trying to measure it in the number of leaders. I was trying to measure it in, uh, you know, in, in reactions that people would give. And, and then I finally uh, hit reset on that about a year in because someone said this one thing that sticks with me to this day. He said, faithfulness in ministry is measured by, excuse me, success in ministry is measured by faithfulness, not by metrics. And so are you being faithful? Are you committing to the process? Are you serving the people around you to the best of your ability? And that's something you really need to ask yourself every day is, uh, and you know, are you also incorporating times of replenishment and rest for yourself? Because I've made the other mistake and I'm trying to be uh, hyper faithful, you know, and right, I'm like right. seven days a week pouring it out. And I got no time for me, no time for my family, no time for my health, no time, you know, and so that's a mistake. And so trying to keep that imbalance, but always think about how can I best serve? By the way, when you're replenished, when you're rested, when you're uh, full, uh, then you can pour out. You know, if you just completely give and give and give and you're wrung out like that illustration I gave earlier, but you never replenish, you never come back to the fountain and you're just, well, this is ministry. I'm pouring out all the time, but you got pretty soon you'll have nothing to give uh, and yeah. you'll be depleted. Uh, and I've, I've made that mistake a few times. That's for sure. Right, right. So. Well, uh, how did you know, you know, that it was the right decision to leave Chick-fil-A and go become a pastor at Christ Church? I will tell you, uh, that was not an easy one at all, uh, because I absolutely love Chick-fil-A. In fact, it, it took a, a process after making the decision. Uh, it took me several months to even still recover. I was kind of grieving over leaving. I was grieving over leaving because uh, I missed my Chick-fil-A family. I missed my leaders. I missed my people. But I also knew I, I heard God say, go do this. And for whatever season that meant, I knew I had to take the step. So the process, it was interesting. And, I'm, and maybe some of you can learn from the process that I went through. Uh, but this is what I did. So uh, I, when I was asked about leaving the professional world and joining ministry, it was not an immediate, yes, let's go, uh, you know. Can't right. wait. It was really like, I'm going to commit this to prayer. So the first thing I did was I'm going to commit this to prayer. When do you need to have an answer? How long do I have? And I had about a seven to 10 day window. And during that seven to 10 day window, and this is, this is where intentionality and a lot of the, what was uh, baked into me at Chick-fil-A really helped. Okay, I got seven to 10 days. I'm going to seek counsel. I, uh, I met with two or three or four different people that uh, I, I counseled with someone in the business world. I counseled with someone in the ministry world. I counsel with someone that I'm really close to, people that I trusted, people, voices of wisdom in my life. And I said, uh, here's the decision I have before me. I've already pros and cons. I made a pros and cons list. I had a whole dot, like a two-page <laughs> document. on. I'm, this is just hyper, yeah. I guess, but I had a two-page document on my computer called The Decision. And everything I weighed out, obviously brought it back to my wife and said, hey, I'm not moving into ministry until uh, you're absolutely on board with that. Uh, and in fact, funny story, uh, when I first told her, uh, hey, the, this opportunity is before me and I'm praying about it. What do you think? She was an immediate no. Like, <laughs> I do not want to be a pastor's wife. No way. Forget it. I, right, I right. yeah. And I said, well, let, let's at least, will you commit to just praying 
about it with, with me. Yeah. Can we just pray about it? And usually I'm the kind of guy, if I want something, I'll try to sell it and try to convince you of it. And, but I didn't, I just said, can we pray about it? And I stepped back and, yeah. uh, and man, I got to tell you, one of the confirmations that it was God was three days later, she comes back to me and she says, not only do I feel like you're called to do this, I feel like we must do this. I feel like our family is supposed to do this. I'm like, yeah. that's God. Cause I, because right. yeah, no, but she was like, no, <laughs> uh, that's just one of the things. And, it, but still, I, again, seeking counsel, taking time to pray about it. Uh, I always tell people when you're facing a decision, go where there is clarity and go where there is peace in your mm -hmm. heart. Uh, if you don't have peace about it, don't do it. If you don't have clear thinking about it, don't do it. Uh, and that's okay where it's because most guys, they go, I feel a call. I'm going to step out in faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yes, step out in faith when you feel like you should, but have some clarity about what you're doing. And it uh, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can see every step ahead. I certainly didn't see all the pieces and how it would all work, but I did my due diligence to like really consider the choice. And then it, it got clear and, and then just confirmations along the way that it was the right decision. And so uh, I don't know if that helps, but that's what yeah. I, that's the process I went through. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting. You talk about your wife changing her mind. I mean, only God can change wives' minds. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way that works, you know, uh, <laughs> And, uh, and so I do like though, how you said you didn't sell it, you know, you thought about it, you prayed about it, you asked God to do it and, and reveal to you what you should do. And I think sometimes we don't like to do that because it's, it just seems too easy. Like just ask God, Hey, can you help me here? That that's gotta be too easy. And, and so, <laughs> uh, so I think we like to do stuff, something about stuff. And, and what I really noticed is like, you said that you, you really like Chick-fil-A. It wasn't like you said, I just hate this chicken frying place and I'm leaving. You enjoyed your work. You enjoyed your place. And, and I think a lot of times we, we get frustrated and we make uh, in the moment decisions that we wish that we, we wouldn't have made. And so uh, like what you talked about, you know, waiting, praying, that, that's a great, great strategy that, that we can use to make a, a good uh, transition. And so, uh, Nathan, thank you for, uh, taking out the time to, uh, come on the show. Dude, absolutely, man. I'm honored to have been asked. And, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage, uh, everyone listening, like, uh, uh, and just tell them, uh, it was one thought. If I share one final thought, I was yeah. just oh, yeah. a moment ago, uh, as far as the whole decision and what you do and, uh, wherever God calls you to be. Uh, just know that he's got, he's got a plan. He's got a path for you. And what, what really helped me was go uh, when it comes to where do I work or where do I serve or where do I get plugged in is always look at the, the culture of the place you're called to serve the, or the job you're holding. And does it align with your heart and your values? There's something there. Not everything has to be just perfectly right, aligned. Right. Sometimes a job is a job and every aspect of life, there's parts that are difficult and you got to push through. But uh, at the end of the day, that's one reason that kept me at Chick-fil-A all those years was because the culture of Chick-fil-A was so strong. It matched my value system. It matched what just some things that I cared about. And, uh, and so does now this church that I get to serve, proud to serve. So thanks for letting me share that. But oh, I'm you're, to have you're been so with you today, welcome. Brother Matthew, and thank you for uh, asking me on. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for listening to Kingdom Builders and uh, have a great week. Goodbye.